0: of Tennis.com's weekly podcast, and here's your host, James Martin.
1: What a difference a week makes, or maybe that's about a week and a half. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. I'm James Martin with Pete Bodo and Steve Tigner, and first, welcome back, Pete. You were on a, a little vacation to, uh, where'd you go?
2: Vieques in Culebra. Had a great time. Caught a big fish. Nice place.
1: Yeah. 20-pound tarpon. Now, there's your, your fish tail for the day. On a fly. Um, on a fly? Yes. Quite impressive. And uh, big changes in tennis Just over a week As you guys probably may have heard uh, Rafael Nadal dating Shakira It appears, or at least in her latest video So a little bit of rumors going around there And also saying he's completely healthy Or almost healthy with his his right knee injury The tendon, he's rehabbed it Says he's not going to come back to Davis Cup In early March, but ready for Indian Wells And on the flip side, his rival, Federer um, Has a lung infection Sounds a bit, kind of scary But um, Federer says that He's not sure what's going on. There's been word that other players in Australia had this lung infection, and that it could keep keep you out for six to eight to ten weeks. Um, guys, I mean, what's your reaction to that? I mean, it uh, sounds a bit ominous. Well,
2: you know, you don't want to second guess the guys. Um, health condition, basically, but you know, I mean, if, if it's going to happen, this isn't isn't the bad, worst time of year to happen? I mean, look, let's face it. How many more times does Federer need to win Indian Wells or Miami? Those so are what, you, what are you trying to say there, Pete? Well, I'm is just trying to say that you know, careful, careful. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, you know, you're not supposed to travel with when you when you're ill. You know, right, right. <laughs> you're supposed to take it easy. Can't and relax. come to the United States. Can't come to the United States. It'd be hard. It might be quarantine issues. there, customs. Uh, no, I mean, in all seriousness, though, I mean, this is not a bad. Uh, you know, if, if if this is a if this injury is really requires that period of time, or this s- sickness I should say, then it's about as good a time as you could you could ask to have
1: it. Yeah, there's no there's no grand slam warm ups, no grand slams. And Federer did make it well known that uh he was so happy to get off the, the hard courts uh, you know, when he was here last time and
0: but it also just the the words lung infection, they they do sound yeah. scary and it's strange to think of Roger Federer being away for any any length of time or even being ill like that. It kind of and well, it, it it does put it in perspective in a way. His what he means to what he means to tennis.
2: And he plays cards pretty close to the vest on these things. It's always very tough to tell. Look, let's face it. The whole glandular fever episode. Nobody really knew what was going on with that. And you know, sometimes it seems like it was the biggest thing and it was the only reason Federer you know didn't you know continue to dominate tennis. And at other times it seems like you know kind of a lame excuse for why he, why he didn't dominate tennis in that period. I don't I don't like the way the whole thing is played out. I mean I think there's a little bit a little bit of secretiveness about that camp. I think there's a you know and it just fuels rumors and stuff and and you know people you know and it gets people all bent out of shape because you know those who are big Federer fans will say oh my God the guy was on his deathbed you know he just doesn't tell everybody and and people who are critics say yeah, I mean. You know, the the guy's just, you know, sort of playing possum and making excuses. So,
1: it's not good. I think right here, all all that we know is that he's just said, yeah, he's got something. He's getting tests. And, uh, you know, like Steve said, it it sounds like, I mean, if he's out for what some people report eight to ten weeks, that, that then becomes less convenient and becomes more of a problem. but. Uh, it definitely d- either that or he's a chain smoker. No one's told anybody, but I, I seriously doubt that. <laughs> and
2: let's remember how he left the hardcourt season. <laughs> the know, that's what I was saying. That it was so happy. To get off of was it. That yeah. a happy guy? I'm miss him smashing a racket. Gosh, I was hoping he might do that again in Miami.
1: Exactly. And then another uh, hard news: Serena Williams enrolled in a uh, what do you think about this guy, guy's a 240-hour program to become a certified nail technician. She says that she she does her nails all the time, and this is this is what she's spending her time on while she's injured. She pulled out of the New York exhibition event next week and. uh She's going to do nails. I see big contract in this actually. <laughs> um, and then big news on the American side, obviously in Memphis, Sam Querrey and John Isner playing in the final. ATP is calling this the, the tallest men's final in ATP history. Six foot nine Isner and six foot six Sam Querrey. A lot of serving, a lot of points, one on serve. But guys, this I think this bodes pretty well for the Davis Cup uh, next week in Belgrade. Um, when Roddick decided he wasn't going to play Blake well maybe that wasn't such a big loss but when those two guys pulled out leaving the bryans i think there were a lot of doubts but maybe that's not looking so bad right now
0: well these guys are playing well um i don't neither of them are experts on clay query can can play better on clay than than isner but just the fact that they each of them has has been surprising in the last year i'd say isner has been the biggest one of the biggest surprises on tour for me in the last 2 years i really didn't expect him to have this kind of consistent success and Querrey, after some ups and downs, is showing that, that I mean he play, he he played Roddick close in San Jose. He wins this tournament. He um, he's showing that he's you know somebody to look for in the top twenty. And also on a on a more general scale, this match shows that that, that men's tennis is, is getting taller. Even we have Cordero, Del Potro, um, Chilich, but even at a second tier level. Quarry and Isner making the final of the tournament.
1: This was a big tournament for Quarry. I mean, it was a 500 level. He'd won uh, Las Vegas and Los Angeles. I mean, he obviously does better here in the states. But you're right. I mean, so g- they're big guys, and it was a big win, you know, Pete for for Isner for Quarry. And I and I think when you look at the tie coming next week, Isner's not going to give whoever he plays, Djokovic, whoever, a lot of rhythm because of his serve. He is probably one of the be- most improved players over the last 12 months. He's in better shape. He's hitting. I wouldn't call what he hits as technically sound volleys, but he's he's a little bit more effective up there, and that serve is such a weapon. And query obviously a big serve too.
2: Hey, if isn't, if if Ivo Karlovich can play well on clay, I don't see why Isner and in, in, query can't either. In fact, I think. You know, Query I think is a pretty good clay court player, you know, relatively speaking, and uh, and you know, with Isner with that serve, you know, you, you got to like him because you know he will be able to you know he'll be able to play some of those you know one two three points where basically you get you get a serve maybe you get a return but even if even if you know they return more against a serve on clay. But it's very hard. Nobody's going to hit like a big, penetrating offensive return. So Isner can avoid those, you know, thirty-stroke rallies that you get on. Clay and also, and stuff.
0: Jo- uh, Djokovic, who they'll be playing, he hasn't been at his best recently. He he seems like he could be beatable. I mean, you ha- you'd have to assume he'll he'll be ready for that match, though.
1: What do you think the experience factor will be? This will be Isner's debut playing Davis Cup um, on the road. On the road, and Quarry's only played once before, '08 in Madrid, so. They're not going to have. It's on the road. It could be if someone hostile environment. Belgrade doesn't sound like the most friendly
0: place to be. It's an uphill battle, but with the Bryan brothers, they you know they have they have a good shot at that point, and if. So all Isner and Querrey have to do the first day is win one of those, and the U.S. is in, in decent shape. It's still an uphill battle, though.
2: I think that's exactly right. And I go against the grain on this on on some of this uh, pressure stuff on newcomers. On I think
1: a guy's You're going against r- the grain? No. Come on. Come on. Who, me? What? <laughs> no.
2: I mean, I, I think actually—you know, I, I don't know. I'm not sure a guy should play his first day. I think there's a lot more pressure when you play at home before a big crowd, especially if it's a winnable match. I would I would I th- you know I would rather see isn't playing you know uh a Tipsarevic or uh or or even a Djokovic, although that's a pretty tough ask because jo- Djokovic is so good. But I'd rather see him play away, where there's no pressure, really. I mean, yeah, there's who, less, who, to, who's there's gonna less expect to lose him? there. Yeah, exactly. Who's going to expect to win in Serbia? Yeah, yeah, but if he walks out there in a place like Birmingham or Winston-Salem or one of those other great Davis Cup shrines as they're becoming, you know, then suddenly you got 20,000 Americans. They're all you, all their hopes are on you. You're on a fast court. You ought to beat this guy. It's a tougher situation. See, so. see, you think it's less...
1: Intimidating if the fans really I mean because it absolutely it played pretty, pretty in, rough.
0: query in his in his one uh Davis he he played Nadal well on clay in Spain.
1: That's right.
2: Yeah, nothing to lose. I mean basically neither of those guys, you, you look at you going in and everything from their profile as players and stuff suggests that uh you know nobody everyone's gonna write them off. So they're
1: playing with house money, you know. It's but on the same token, you don't think they're gonna feel a little bit of pressure or even a lot of pressure because if they lose this they go into a, a match in September where they, if they lose that, they go down. They get bumped out of the world group. So in in essence, you lose this, then your then your backs are really to the wall because you have to play a match for relegation.
2: Well, if you were if, if this were the releg the playoffs as they call it or the relegation tie, then I would I would agree with you. If these guys were playing for staying in a world group, I think there'd be a lot of pressure on them much more than there is now. <laughs> but no, the pressure is going to be on Andy Roddick and James Blake when it comes to a relegation match. Do, that you, th- do you
1: think Pat would? Um, would somehow you know? You know, Roddick has said he will not play Davis Cup this year if they're facing uh, relegation in September. Do you think they they get him back?
2: I say never, say never. You Look at the draw comes out. And you get a, You get a, a winnable match, and you know, especially at home, I think Andy might have a change of heart, especially if he has a decent year, or it's or if he has a
0: lousy year. One thing about Isner in in pressure matches, he plays a lot of them because he plays a lot of third set tiebreakers, a lot of close matches. So I don't I don't feel like he's a guy who's gonna going to choke or or give away a match easily.
1: Uh, early predictions then.
0: Who do you uh, like? I'm taking Serbia.
1: Yeah, I'm taking Serbia. <laughs> I'm <laughs> taking the U.S. There you go. Two for Serbia, one for the U.S. of A. Um, and the other tournament that just uh, concluded in Dubai, Venus Williams defeated Victoria Azarenka. Um, we've been talking here on the pod, and I know you guys have blogged about it as well, about the new generation, the, the old guard, and when, when are they going to step up. And, Steve, you were writing about this this week, that uh, those younger players, <laughs> they're going to have to wait a bit longer because Venus, one of the oldest, right, really she's the oldest top player in the, on tour, uh, has a fairly routine win. It was it six three seven five against Azarenka? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was pretty routine for, for
0: for Venus. I thought
2: new balls, please. <laughs> Old <laughs> ones, thanks. <laughs> that's,
0: that's <laughs> right. uh, no, Venus. Um, you know, Venus I- isn't even the top. She, you know, she's not at Serena's level, and she handled Azarenka pretty well. Azarenka played a good match. She played a. She played. A, she didn't sabotage herself. She didn't get overly angry. She played as as intelligently as. I think she she could she made the most of it but Venus was just a stronger physical force out there and and in the end also knew where to be. Uh she's it's a tough combination right now I think for both on the men's side and the women's side that these Serena, Roger, Venus, Justine Kim a little bit. They they they're great players and they also are working with so much more experience than some of these than the than the younger players. It's it's almost as if they're keeping the next generation from from happening.
1: It, it when you watch that, like for Federer against Murray in the in the Australian final, they were bringing that up that Murray had <laughs> this one final as his experience to fall back on. Federer has twenty one, <laughs> all this experience, and it, it that can be intimidating. and And to play off what you're saying, it, you get the feeling that th- this up the, the next generation, whatever you want to call this generation, women's tennis from Azarenka, Wozniacki, Yankovic, Safina, could even lump in Ivanovic, or possibly even though she's won a slam, and I start thinking of comparisons to the Lost Generation in the '90s, when you had Sampras kind of doing the same thing, and Agassi. They were they were winning the bulk of the big tournaments, and we heard all about Philippoussis and all about Rios and Krajicek and Ankvist and Rosé and Ruzetsky. New balls, please. The new balls, please. New campaign. balls, please. N- Nicholas Kiefer, Tommy Haas was in there. He, I think you can you know he had the injury issues, but and they never were able to materialize. A couple of them got a slam here or there, but that generation never. Came about the it's way it was hard to,
0: it's hard to see a generation, a future without Serena and Justine, Kim Venus, right now. It's just hard to, it's hard to put it together. Or imagine it.
1: Well,
2: somebody's always going to be there. I mean, you know, the, the flip side of that is somebody's always going to be there. You take those girls out of the picture, and you're going to have an Azarenka, you know, being. being but the when top are they going to be out and, of the picture? Well, the thing is, that's it. They're hanging in there pretty well. It's kind of funny. I think Venus has some good tennis left in her. I'm mean, Call me crazy, but. Uh, she
1: no? She she's calling said, me crazy? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, no, it's not, not, not in this room.
0: <laughs> one thing that's interesting about Venus is she doesn't, all of her losses seem like she doesn't, she doesn't lose confidence from any of her losses. She still has that same confidence that she, if she doesn't think she's the number one player in the world, she at least thinks she's number two to her sister and that she shouldn't lose to anybody. She's never, she does get nervous and, and in matches, and she did get nervous in this match against Azarenka, but even when she's not playing great, she always she can always she always come through with a with a good result. She always has the possibility of coming through with a good result because of this basic confidence that she has that I don't think anybody has other than her sister.
2: Oh, plus that game, you know. I mean, she's you know she's still you know she's still young enough. She's she's just still a heck of a tennis player. I mean, she's let, I think there's a little bit of rust in her game now, and I think that's really hurt her in the past couple of years. But I, I just think that for someone like that, you know, suddenly the magic comes back. You know, a couple things fall into place, and she can make she can make a good run.
1: She might she might even be up for a good year. I mean, and it's, I think it's confidence, Steve. I also think it's that that mentality that you see in relief, good relief pitchers in baseball. They can get shelled one game, but they it doesn't bother them. They just come back the next day, and it's just back to right. So few tennis it. players have that. Oh, though. so few. I mean, well, they're the only two um, that that really have had it in the last what ten years. I mean, Hengis could get crushed by a loss. I mean, what? I mean, would you think Graf? I mean, Graf obviously was supremely confident. She but never lost, so <laughs> yeah, but you don't lose. I mean, it's. Um, it is an amazing thing she Venus said after that match against Azarenka that she feels like she's won every tournament and uh, she hasn't but that confidence is incredible um the biggest uh, guys i think the biggest um news perhaps certainly for the health of the sport and uh <laughs> Yeah, let's Pete <laughs> lay off the beer. Well, we're uh <laughs> drinking beer here in the podcast, Corona Extra Gold. So uh, <laughs> so <laughs> anyone wants to uh pony up some sponsorship dollars, but the big news on the ATB tour is they just finally found a global sponsor uh for the tour. They had lost Mercedes-Benz after uh a 12-year partnership that ended in 2008 and they went out and they got Corona in a in a pretty bad uh, economy, no less. And I think this is a big deal. I mean, it's five and a half years for 70 million. So it's about the same amount of money as they were getting, at least what was being reported with the Mercedes-Benz deal. Um, obviously, a lot shorter of a deal. You're not getting that 12-year 12, 12 deal.
0: I think that was renewed as it went along, however. I think this is a pretty big score for the ATP. Well, they needed it because um, the U.S. Open had picked up Mercedes, and Mercedes had left the the tour behind for a grand slam, sort of cementing this idea that that the Grand Slams are where, where people watch, where, where a sponsor can, can make some inroads rather than, rather than the tour. So, so they needed something. It's, it'll be odd to see a Corona logo on <laughs> both sides of the net, but, but at least you could say that it's not. <laughs> it's, they're not cigarettes. How about hey, you that? Know, I'm loving this. Oh, wait a second, guys. I mean, yeah, look, Pete's loving it. Look, <laughs> le, look.
2: Let's face Mercedes-Benz and tennis yawn. Lexus and tennis yawn. Granted, it's it's an upscale sport. It's still an upmarket sport. But come on, you know this is. I mean, people. You know, the big the Grail in tennis for so many years has been to sort of take the game to the public. You know, and to get more to reach out to a broader audience, a bigger a fan. A drunker base and audience, stuff. right? A drunken <laughs> audience, mariachi playing audience. <laughs> I mean, I, I I just like this deal. it's, it's kind of whimsy it's a little like a little Jimmy Buffett in tennis. And
1: and I, I think the sport can definitely, definitely use it. I mean and it's not like it's taking it to the people. This is not ATP brought to you by Paps Blue mm-hmm. Ribbon or Miller Light. Um, this is not like the Joe Six Pack Sunday uh, NFL. I mean it's, it's a decent beer. Um it's
2: it w- a good beer. It's like a piece of limonera. Hey, they're
0: good. good at. They're very good at marketing. They created basically Corona created Cinco de Mayo in this country, right? That's they they, they, they created true. a holiday.
2: No, <laughs> and you know what? One of the you know, in, realistic, I'm, I'm not a marketing guy, but I would think that looking at their their point of view, they're thinking they would actually want to reach out to a broader audience and a bigger demographic. They want to actually get some people to stop associating Corona, you know, with the with the with the backpacker, you know, uh, beach hut
1: kind of. Most well, the beach you always and, see those commercials with those people sitting on the beach and that guy throws a cell phone skimming across the water exactly
2: you know and, and, that, and that's a good thing but I mean I think they're going to reach out to, to to try to get you know to try to establish themselves as more as a little more upscale than they are which is kind of too bad they'll become
1: Mercedes Benz but um, well it's an interesting experiment in tennis because they as you said they've the game and the sport as a whole has always gone for the luxury brand, the, the Lexus is the Mercedes, and always tried to position itself as upscale. <laughs> and while, while Corona is not um, you know, a, an everyman's beer, it is a beer. And, and here's what o- one marketing guy, was reporting in New York Times, and I think this quote uh, sums up the, perhaps the brilliance of what the ATP has done. His name is Bob Dorfman. He's the executive creative director at Baker Street Advertising, so he's an ad, ad exec, obviously. And he said that, uh, quote, Drinking booze and watching sports is a natural combination and one that seems fairly <laughs> recession-proof. So <laughs> it's no surprise today to see sports leagues replacing high-ticket items with everyday products as sponsored partners. Now, no, it's a call Corona me, man I would, speaking. I, would, I wouldn't call, call him for honesty, though, <laughs> right? I wouldn't. Uh, this is like madman talking about I, w- I wouldn't call Corona booze, but he's right. I mean, th- this is pretty smart. Oh, I mean, yeah. Hey, look, let's you know, um, it's a lot of we, we could have a
2: lot of fun with this, but um, let's give Adam Helfand a lot of credit here. I think this is a terrific move for tennis, especially as you say in this economy. I just got to wonder now: Do you have to wear those like low jeans with the pockets down behind your
1: knees, or to to, to get wow. into turnstiles? Or well, let's hope not. But it. does Roger have to drink
0: a Corona now? Does he? Yeah,
1: Roger. Right, we're himself? gonna have
2: we're gonna see Roger tipping up a Corona. <laughs> well, <laughs>
1: well, you do wonder with what the HB makes these players dress up in and has PR stunts at different tournament styles. I see sombreros <laughs> and Roger
2: Federer's future. Some
1: am <laughs> joking players showing up for for media hour or whatever. Um, well, that about does it for the uh, the pod for today and we will be back later this week. We've gotten a, a ton of emails from you guys so keep them coming and we will try to answer uh, as many as we can get to probably on Thursday, maybe Friday, not sure yet, but just stick in and check in on tennis.com but we will get to your emails and cover any other uh, big news. I'm guessing that Juan Carlos Ferrero will have won a new another tournament by next week. He's on fire. But uh, send your emails to tennis. Uh, excuse me podcast at tennis.com only said that a hundred times but I get it right podcast at tennis.com and for Steve Tigner and Pete Bodo I'm James Martin and we'll uh, talk to you later this week
0: you've been enjoying tennis.com's weekly podcast thanks for listening for all the latest news and events head over to tennis.com